talking about the gifts of the Spirit this month, and we're calling it Charismata. Who of you know what Charismata means? It's a Greek word, so it's, it's how you need to pronounce it like you pronounce it in Afrikaans, Charismata. The world's not English, by the way. It's Charismata. Say Charismata. So it's a, it's a Greek word, and it comes from charisma or charism, charisma, which means the gift of grace. So it's the plural form, and in 1 Corinthians 12 verse 4, it specifically refers to the gifts that are given by the Holy Spirit to believers. So there's this moment when we come to Jesus, and hopefully all of you are still coming to Jesus. Are you still coming to Jesus the reason why you're here at church tonight is not to meet a boyfriend or a girlfriend, but actually to come to Jesus. Hopefully that's true. If you find a girlfriend, like the people that are doing the announcements, or the boyfriend, that's amazing. We love that. So we, we're coming to Jesus, and there's this constant invitation from the Lord, hey, come to me. But then there's also God saying, I want to send you, and I want to co-labor with you. It's the invitation to co-work with him. He's saying, hey, I have an assignment. I want to do a few things on this earth, and I'm going to choose you. And and I believe that as the body of Christ, we need to become, we need to come into this maturity where we understand that God's not only coming or inviting us to come to him, he's also sending us out to co-labor with him. And in order for us to co-labor with him in the ways that he wants us to co-labor with him, we need to understand the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So we're going to talk about the gifts. And yes, we shouldn't forgive or shouldn't forget the, the giver of the gifts. And we should always keep that at the back of our mind that the most precious gift is not the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the supernatural gifts, but it's actually the gift of the presence of, of God. So when we talk about the gifts, we talk about the supernatural experiences that the Holy Spirit brings to the church and to the body of Christ and to individual believers. And often what then happens is people become fearful because they are supernatural. They are not necessarily natural expressions of humanity. So what I want you to, to focus on is that you are small in comparison to God. We all know that. If you think that you have figured out God in your mind, then your little God is too small because God cannot fit into this brain. But if we start allowing the Holy Spirit to move, allowing the gifts of the Spirit to move through us and to impact the people around us, there might be some moments that look weird, like Friday night. Or even Thursday at our Grootbrak meeting, there was a young man who got saved. And then afterwards, he said he's struggling with unforgiveness. He tried to forgive this person. And before we know, he was on the floor screaming. He's a shy guy, screaming his head off. And it wasn't him. It was a demon that was screaming through him. Very conservatives. Still the sort of pioneering stage of church. And there's this young guy screaming his head off. It's a little weird. And then his girlfriend also came for prayer. And then she started manifesting also a demon. That's, that's weird. And if you look at that 
and you get exposure to that for the very first time, you might be like, I don't want anything to do this because I don't feel like I can control this. And as a pastor, I'm even, I was talking to these conservative Afrikaans people, and I'm like, okay, have you ever seen this? And the guy's like, uh, you're on the movies. <laughs> but then we tend to go into fear, and we think, wow, I'm uncomfortable with this, so therefore it cannot be God. But there's probably a reason why the Holy Spirit's called the comforter. Because he's going to comfort you when you're out of your comfort zone. But then, so the, the, the story goes on that his girlfriend then also starts manifesting. And then the parents of the girlfriend messages me and said, Wow, it's so awesome that God delivered my little girl. That is, and that is the culture we need to create. A couple of years ago, if that happened, I would get phone calls from parents saying, how could you have done this to my kid? I thought the church is a safe space where people can get healing. And that was definitely not healing. She embarrassed us all. But now we're at a place where we understand sometimes you need to go through that weird experience. The demon coming out, the demon screaming through you to get into healing. And I was just so impressed by the way that that community handled that. They were so excited. The dad, the mom and the dad messaged me the next morning. The dad said the, the guy who got saved, the, the very next morning he started witnessing to other people for the very first time in his life about who Jesus is. He just got saved. But because of the experience of the Holy Spirit, the power of God, he had the confidence to know that God's not only a God that's contained in a book, but God is real. The presence of God is with us. The power of God is, God is with us. So just a couple of introductory points. The normal Christian life is a spirit-filled life. Sometimes we think the normal Christian life is you read your Bible, you go to church once a week, maybe twice a month. Maybe you'll tithe, and that's kind of the normal Christian life. And we leave the, the spiritual things we leave to the people that get paid to do church. It's like the Amors and the, and the Lukes and the Jameses. No, God wants us all to tap into this normal Christian life. And where I got this phrase from was a book by Watchman Nee. I don't know if you've ever heard of Watchman Nee. He was a Chinese theologian. Eventually got killed because of his faith. But he wrote this book, Normal Christian Life. And I remember picking up this book when I was 19 years old. And I was reading through this. And I, I, was, I was comparing my life, my normal life, Christian life, to this normal life. And I'm like, my life is nothing like this life. This life is just full of adventure with God. This life is full of the Spirit. This life is full of the gifts, full of the fruit of the Spirit. So God's calling us higher. He's saying, hey, there's a higher standard. And it's so much better to go after the fullness of the Spirit. You'll be so much more equipped. So much, there will be so much more impact through your life if you embrace this. Acts 1 verse 8, it's really the only way that we can witness 
Jesus say, listen here, I know you want to go. I know you've seen me ascended into heaven and you see these miracles, but just wait. Why? But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem. That's the city. That's George. All Judea. That's our region, Samaria, cross-culturally, and also to the ends of the earth. So you have to wait for what? For the Holy Spirit. So it's the only way that we can do the gospel, get the gospel out, be witnesses, is through the power of the Holy Spirit. And then Jesus, obviously the person that we model everything on, he himself, he was reliant on the Holy Spirit for everything that he did. We know that he only started his ministry after he got filled with the Holy Spirit, after his baptism. He was modeling something to us. He's, he's saying, listen here, with my life, I became fully human, and I'm going to show you the way, and the way is to wait on the Holy Spirit, to commune with the presence of God, with the Holy Spirit. He's very God. He's not a ghost or a cloud or a goosebump experience. He's the person of God, and He wants to have relationship with you. And I'm going to show you how I interact with the Holy Spirit and the impact that the Holy Spirit will have through me. And then Acts 10.38 sums up Jesus' ministry. It says, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit, and with power, he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. So Jesus was anointed by the Holy Spirit, and that's why he could do what he did. If you're a Christian, if you call yourself a Christian, you're actually referring to yourself as a little anointed one. Because Christian comes from Christ. Christ means anointed one. Anointing comes from the Holy Spirit. You are saying, hey, my faith, a big part of my faith has to do with the power that I receive from the Holy Spirit. But so few of us actually make the effort to understand who is the Holy Spirit, first of all. But then also, what, how does the Holy Spirit want to equip us? There are the fruits of the Holy Spirit, nine of them, Galatians 5, but then there's also the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Why would you want to say no to this? And then, very important, the Holy Spirit bear witness about Jesus. John 15, 26, but when the helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. So Jesus is saying, listen here, I, I need to leave. I'm going to go. He actually says in John 16, he says, for me, it's better to go. It's better to leave. Because now I can have this relationship one-on-one -on -one with you. But when the Holy Spirit comes, He's going to be with you always. And He is the anointing that empowered my ministry. And I'm going to give it to all the people that want Him. All the people that have a relationship with me. All the people that desire the fullness of God. I'm going to give it to them. So we live in this greater dispensation. So the Holy Spirit will always first point us towards Jesus because Jesus, he initiated the new covenant. He's the one that said, listen here, through my death and my resurrection, the presence of God will not only rest in the most holy of holies in the temple, there in a room, but it's going to come out. 
and it's going to be poured out on all flesh. That's where Jesus is pointing. That's the vision of his ministry because God's desire have all, has always been to be with us and to actually be in us. And you sometimes think, no, I'm, I'm just a useless little Christian. I'm just going to go on and do church maybe and maybe I'll have somebody one day ask me about the gospel and lead them to Christ. No, there's so much more than that. So just a little bit more in the, in the Old and the New Covenant. So the prophets in the Old Testament, they were quite spectacular. If you've read about Elijah, Elijah, Ezekiel, Isaiah, those guys did amazing things. Samuel, incredible stories. Men of God. And then Jesus makes a statement. He speaks of John the Baptist and he says, John the Baptist is the greatest prophet of the Old Covenant. So of the Old Testament, because Jesus is now initiating the new covenant, but it only starts with his death and his resurrection. And then he says this, but I tell you, the least in the kingdom of God, they are already better, greater than John the Baptist. And what is he referring to? He's referring to the old covenant being a covenant where the Holy Spirit's only poured out on individuals every now and then. But in the new covenant, if you read Acts 2, you'll see that the Holy Spirit's poured on all flesh. And all then get the ability of the Holy Spirit to even to prophesy, to be a prophet. God rates you. <laughs> he thinks you are incredibly powerful and he wants to go labor with you so that his name will be made great. So, let's just put this disclaimer here before we now start getting into the gifts. It's all about glorifying Jesus. The Holy Spirit will witness about Jesus. And this is how you test if this is excess because sometimes people can move in the holy gifts of the holy spirit but there's no jesus in there even jesus in matthew 7 he says listen yeah there were some people they will say i've prophesied i've drove out demons in your name and jesus will say i don't know you so a relationship with jesus is so much more important than the gifts but without the gifts we will not be able to glorify jesus name as we are supposed to glorify his name so it's so important that we Take serious relationship first, but then also say yes to all the gifts. Why would we allow for those Christmas presents to be there under the tree with your name on and we don't take it? It's your name on. Faratnet, Chris. If I bring it, I say for you, with the name of Ganiret Los. So it will point towards Jesus. So let's. Make him the focus. But don't be scared of the gifts. Don't be fearful. From the offset, the Holy Spirit gave gifts. In Acts 2 verse 4, it speaks of the Pentecost experience, the Holy Spirit being poured out. And it says this, All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Already there's a manifestation, a supernatural thing happening. 
It's like we're standing here and then suddenly the Holy Spirit comes in and Luke starts speaking German. And Luke's like, I, I don't even know German. And then Damien over there says, hey, Luke, you are speaking in the most purest of dialects. Wow. And then James, he starts, Koza. And then Mandisa jumps up and says, hey, James, you are now Koza. You're my brother. Tata James. And that's what happened in, the, in Acts 2. It's beautiful, but it's supernatural. So the Holy Spirit didn't come pour, being poured out and then they had to for 10, 21 days, they had to fast and they had to go through this theological course just to make sure that the character is intact so they can handle the gift. No, the 120, they were crying out, they were desiring the, the Holy Spirit, they listened, they obeyed to what, what Jesus said in waiting for the Holy Spirit and it was poured out, it was poured out. And God thought it a great idea to make it a supernatural experience and supernatural gifts given to people. In Acts 10, 44 to 46, speaks of Peter's experience. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles. For they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. So again, the supernatural gift of tongues, different languages being spoken by these Gentiles. Acts 19 verse 6, when Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them and they spoke in tongues and they prophesied. Again, this supernatural experience. Some of you don't know what prophecy is. Prophecy is, it has two components. One is foretelling and the other one is foretelling. Foretelling speaks of, you speak of things that are about to happen. Like you'd prophesy South Africa will win the World Cup. That's a prophetic word. But if you now go to Jason Colby and you say, Jason Colby, you will play prop in the World Cup final. And that happens, then that's forth telling. Because he's, he's, a, he's a wing, by the way, those of you who don't watch rugby. So he's a small guy, he won't be able to play prop. But forth telling is you give the grace with the word. You give the grace to that person through obviously the empowerment of the Holy Spirit to actually do what you told them to do. It's me going to Rikus and say, hey, hey, Rikus, um, from today onwards, you're going to be the fastest runner in this church. And, and Rikus is like, hey, I, I'm, I can go long, but I, I'm not the fastest. And as I'm speaking it, his muscles develop in a way so that he becomes the fastest. So that's, that's prophecy. So that's what happened just spontaneously. These disciples are just waiting Waiting on, on, on Paul to lay hands on them. And that's what happened. They started speaking in tongues and started prophesying. And hopefully you are getting hungry. You are, you are desiring for this also to happen to you. Because it's a gift. It's not a reward. It's a gift. These are the gifts that are available to all Christians. Whether you're two-year-old, whether you're 78 they are available to you. So let's go to the passage that we're going to focus on this month. It's 1 Corinthians 12, 1 to 11. So verse 1 in chapter 12. 
Paul says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. I think so many people are just ignorant. They don't know about the spiritual gifts. Whoever you can, can just from, from your mind just quote the nine gifts of the Holy Spirit. Very few of you. Some of you don't even know that these exist. Some of you don't even know that they're available to you, that you can flow in them, that God wants to use you in this mighty way. And then verse 2, you know that you were Gentiles carried away to these dumb idols, however you were led. Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed, and no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. So here's already a very important point. God's saying, or Paul's saying, that if you can say that Jesus is Lord, you have the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life. You won't be able to say that without the presence of the Holy Spirit. We had a beautiful testimony of Luderia. She's actually now on staff with us in Shofar Oatswaring. But the first freedom encounter that she attended, she confessed that she can never during worship say Jesus. She couldn't say Jesus during worship. She would be able to say God, sing God, but never Jesus. And then long story short, but there was a demon manifesting. And when I got to her, she couldn't say Jesus Lord. She would literally go like, mm, mm, she couldn't say it. And eventually the demon left and then she could say Jesus is Lord. Because the demons, Satan hates that phrase. So if you can say, Jesus, Lord, the presence of the Holy Spirit is in your life. So if you're, if you're a Christian, if you've been born again, you have the presence of the Holy Spirit. But I want to invite you, and I believe this is what the Holy Spirit wants to do, invite you into a deeper relationship with the Holy Spirit, where it's not only the presence, but the anointing, the power of God in your life, so that all nine gifts will start manifesting. People will not only... No, while you're a Christian because you're saying Jesus Lord or you're wearing your orange cap to your work and they know that you're in shofar. No, they will see the gifts and the power and the fruits manifesting in your life. Verse 4, there are diversities of gifts but the same spirit. There are differences of ministries but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities but it's the same God who works all in all but the manifestation of the spirit is given to each one for the profit of all for to one is given the word of wisdom and this is what we're going to focus on today the word of wisdom through the spirit to another the word of knowledge through the same spirit so those first two is for tonight in verse 9 to another faith by the same spirit to another gifts of healings by the same spirit to another the working of miracles to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues, but one and the same spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. So there are nine gifts that's available to every believer. And then at the end, it's, it's important what Paul is saying. He's saying, as the Holy Spirit wills, he will use you in these nine gifts. So it's my, it's my belief, and that's also how I see them operating my life, 
And I've, in a, in, a, in, a, in a small or greater measure, I've operated in all nine gifts. But sometimes you will have an affinity for a specific gift. So you will have an affinity for prophecy or gifts of healing. And because you desire that and you're a good steward of that gift, there will be, there will be more anointing added to that specific gift. That's, that's my just take on the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Some people say, yeah, but that person will have tongues. That person will have gift of faith. That person will have healing. I think what I read, what I'm reading here is if you have the Holy Spirit, you have access to all nine gifts of the Holy Spirit. And if there is a, a need for any one of these nine, then God can use you in these nine. So don't limit God. Don't say to God, okay, God, I will never have the gift of faith because I'm a man of little faith. Or I will never have the gift of miracles. Just say, God, I'm open to all of them. I actually want to operate in all of them. But you might have an affinity for one specific one. And maybe even your, your personality is bent so that it'd be easier for you to flow into a, into a certain gift. Okay, so we want to just focus on the first two. The first one is word of wisdom. It's a gift to understand and apply divine knowledge and wisdom to specific situations. It's not a natural wisdom, and it goes beyond human comprehension. And a few examples, first one is Noah. Noah doesn't know how to build an ark, but then God gives him supernatural wisdom to build an ark. So think how practical these gifts are also. They're not supposed to only operate within this space, the church space or in small group. They can operate while you're doing your engineering thing, while you're busy with your kids, while you're at school, while you're trusting the Lord for a breakthrough in whatever business you have. Samuel 16, 1 to 3, and I quite like this one. So God tells Samuel, hey, go to the son of Jesse, which is David, and anoint him. And Samuel's like, no way, I will not go because Saul's going to kill me. And then God says to him, listen here, just take a heifer with and tell him you're going to sacrifice something to the Lord. That's a wise strategy. So eventually Samuel could get to David and he could anoint David because of this wise strategy, supernatural wisdom. Matthew 10 verse 19, Jesus says, if you get arrested for your faith, don't worry what you say, because I will speak through you. Don't worry what you say, I will speak through you. And some of you have probably had this experience where you are confronted by, by somebody who doesn't like what you're doing in terms of your Christian faith, whether it's a family member or a at a business, and you're like, God, I don't know what to say. And then somehow you say the right things. And it often happens in, in counseling. I just remember when I was young, just we were probably married a year, and then they would ask me to do marriage counseling. I'm like, Lord, I'm not qualified for this. And then you would say things, or even about how to raise children. I'm like, after I said it, like, well, this is so brilliant. I need to write this down. I need to apply it when I have kids one day. So just be open to this. Be open to God using you to preach to other people the wisdom of God. 
and then give glory to Jesus because we're not always that wise. Acts 6 verse 10, it speaks of, of Stephen's defense of the faith and it says none of them, so the people that, that are, want to stone Stephen could stand against the wisdom and the spirit with which Stephen spoke. Don't you want to operate in that space? Nobody could stand against Stephen's wisdom and his defense of the faith. So we have a, a guy in our, in our church, he is a business guy, and he was telling me the story of how he really believed God helped him with wisdom. So they were looking for, a, they, were, they were doing properties, selling properties in Portchestrum, so they were looking for an agent, and then his wife comes back from a ladies' meeting, and his wife says, hey, I met somebody at this ladies' meeting. She is a, a property, agent, property agent, but she's saying her husband is an engineer, and he might be interested to come and work for us. So back then, the salary that they offered this guy was 1,500 rand. Eventually, after a few years, they realized, wow, this was the perfect guy, and he then took over the business, and he became one of the most successful guys within the, the businesses that they do. So when they heard the story from his side, he said he was called out of, out of the mines. He was a metallurgical engineer, and then God said to him, you need to go to Portchestrum, and you need to get yourself involved in the property industry. So he went there and his wife just attended what is like a Bible study prayer group. And from there, the doors opened up for him to be obedient to the word of God. Can you see how practical the wisdom of God works? It's a wife that just hears from the Lord, hey, maybe we should employ you or maybe we should just employ your husband. It's sometimes just listening and hearing the Lord in that, in the very moment that you find yourself. Say, Lord, maybe, are you connecting the dots here? Something's happening. So trust the Lord for the word of, of wisdom. And then the word of knowledge, it's to receive supernatural knowledge and understanding about people, situations, or events that is not gained through natural means. And also it helps to soften the hearts of people by revealing the reality of God. A great example is Jesus with the woman at the well. Jesus comes to the woman at the well and, he's, and he asks her, hey, where's your husband? And the woman at the well says, I don't have a husband. And Jesus says, yes, you answered correctly. You've had five husbands. And the, and the, the man that you're with now is also not your husband. And then she goes to her community, to a town, and in verse 29, she, she tells them and says, I met this guy who told me everything I ever did, everything that I ever did. So that one word of knowledge, that supernatural insight into her relationships opened up her heart to speak into her so that she then went back to a town and told everybody, became one of the greatest evangelists in Scripture, led the whole town to Jesus. Can you see why we need the gifts? We want people to open up to the power of God. 
2 Kings 6 verse 12 is about Elisha and how the, the king of Aram, he's so frustrated because he's trying to, to battle with the Israelites, but they are always one step ahead. They always know where they are. So he calls his officials together and he says, hey, who of you are communicated to the Israelites? And then one official stands up and says, there's a prophet, Elisha, and he's in Israel. He knows even the things that you say in your bedroom. And again, it's an Old Testament prophet. God said even the least of us in the kingdom of God is greater than that prophet. So we have access to that kind of supernatural knowledge, not for our own gain, but for the glory of Jesus' name. So we have a, a guy on our leadership team here, Gert. He's probably the guy that I've seen um, flow in this gift the best. And there's just so many, so many stories. So he once, uh, he called up Ursula, who's also working for the church in, in a church service. And while she's walking forward, he made her stand here. He says, while you're walking forward, I saw diamonds under your feet. Is, does that mean anything to you? And she said, yes, she comes from Kimberley and her dad was involved in the diamond industry. And he says, but the funny thing is, while you're standing here, I see the Twin Towers. I'm like, Twin Towers? Twin Towers. And she's like, hey, my birthday is 9-11. And then, obviously, that opened up her heart. It's amazing. At a, at a men's camp, he said he sees this. A nurse's badge with the name Maggie on it and the name Bruce. Then Warwick comes forward. Warwick says, my grandmother is a nurse. Her name is Maggie. Who used to be a nurse and her name is Maggie. And her maiden name is Bruce. So God wants to use us in supernatural things. And there's a couple other stories also. And for me, I, I really went after this specific gift, especially like six, six or seven years ago. And I'm like, Lord, I, I want to I be one of those guys. Because we had a few people in, in, in Stellenbosch. People were scared of these guys. Because they would pray for you. And then afterwards, people would say, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're not going to go that guy again. He reads our mail. He knows all the things that we've done. All our dirty secrets will come out if we pray for them. So it's a great tool to get the fear of the Lord on people, especially young people. I see you sitting in front of a computer. You just start there. It's a tip from, from me to you. No, I'm just lying. It might work, but. And so, and often in, often in counseling, you just, you just mention something and people are like, how did you know that? There was a, there was a lady who came forward couple of weeks ago in church and she came forward with a family member and I just felt the Lord saying that she was molested when she was young but how do you say that to her and I don't know her how do you say that to her and a family member standing next to her so I was just praying into hey Lord thank you that you are healing the the trauma that she suffered and the, the and the abuse Lord thank you Jesus that you're healing her and then afterwards that family member told me, no, she was molested when she was younger. And because of that, that opened up her heart for me to speak into her heart. And then she attended the whole 
freedom encounter and the destiny encounter. Another thing that, just one of those um, experiences that I thought, wow, it's, God has a sense of humor, but also it just was great. I was so excited with childlike faith after this happened. So my sister called us, our family together, so we were just about to eat lunch, and then she said, um, I'm going to tell you what, my, what, our newest, what our newest baby's name will be. And I, as she said that, I heard the name Johannes, as she said that. And I told Eva, my daughter, I think it is Johannes. Johannes is not a family name, but I think it is Johannes. So she called us together around the table and she said, hey, so I just want to say the baby's name is, and I said, hey, can I maybe just try? I, I think I've heard the name. And I said, Johannes. And she's like, what? Where did you get that? And I'm like, this is so cool, Jesus. You give me names of my sister's baby. So just think of what is possible if we just apply faith. Faith in the area of a word of wisdom and a word of knowledge. And we only know through two of them. If you can just for this week concentrate on two of these gifts, think of the kind of impact that you can have if you operate fully in these two gifts for the next week. And the crazy thing is God's desire for you to operate in these gifts is so much greater than your desire to operate in these gifts. Because He wants to work through you. He wants to co-labor with you. He wants those women at the well meetings where you send that woman back with the knowledge that God loves her and that He is even into the detail of her life. So band, you can come up. Lost scripture. And if we can make this the, the slogan, the mantra for this month, 1 Corinthians 14 verse 1. So 1 Corinthians 12, it deals with the gifts, but also the body of Christ, how we need to work together. 1 Corinthians 13 is the chapter of love. And then 1 Corinthians 14 again speaks on the gifts. Okay. So it says, Follow the way of love and eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. So we need to love first. Love God and love people. If you, if you can't get that right, don't focus on the gifts. Just love God and love people. But if you start loving God and you start loving people, you realize that often you fall short. I'm thinking of the way to raise, of, of how to raise my kids. I need the word of wisdom every now and then. How will I deal with this? There's no chapter and verse to deal with this specific situation. I need the word of wisdom. Lord, I need insight into this area. I need supernatural knowledge now. Lord, I don't know where this trauma comes from, but surely there's something wrong here. And it's, I don't know. There's no chapter and verse for that either. So if you love people, it will eventually lead you also to seriously desire the spiritual gift. So what does it mean to eagerly desire something? Kids are brilliant at this. So the example that I've been using for the two servers in the morning is my kids love, my sons, they love bird watching. So I never, I was never into that, like bird watching. We would kill the birds. That's what we did. 
threw them with lemons and kitties. And they just way more loving than I was. But what they would do is they would just constantly bug us that they want to they go and watch birds. So the other day we were at a second-hand bookshop in Claymont, and we walk in there and they said, Hey, Dad, look at the, all these bird-watching books. And they pulled out one then, and Nicholas like, Hey, we want this one. And I was like, We want this one. And they like, constantly just for the whole next half an hour, it's like, hey, Papa, ons wil het koop. Ons moet het koop. Jy gaan het nou vir my koop. Ek nie geld nie, maar jy gaan het vir my koop. You're going to buy this for me. So they're eagerly desiring this. But I, I know if it carries on for half an hour, and that it's probably been for the last six months, that just, they want to watch birds. So I know if, if that is their desire, and they're eagerly desiring that, they also be good stewards of what I give to them in the form of a book. So we bought them the book, 150 rands. It's a bargain. And they've been paging through this, that book for the last month and a half. It's almost every single day. Yesterday when I put Nicholas to bed, he had that little book under his duvet and he was reading it. And he was telling me that this bird, the picture of this bird and the name is wrong. This is a the different bird. They got it wrong, Dad. But for me, that's a picture of eagerly desiring something. So the reason, and, and I want you to feel this conviction now, the reason why so few people are not op- so few people are operating in the gifts of the Spirit is because people are not really desiring to operate in the gifts of the Spirit. Nothing to do with God. Everything to do with you. And here's another convicting word. You are lazy in your stewardship of the gifts. And you are fearful. You don't want to take the risk. There's many times where I've said, hey, listen, I sense this. And then the person's like, no. There's nothing that relates to me. You pray for somebody and you say, hey, uh, I I believe... um, uh, God really, he, he's, yes, he's going to give you a husband. And the person's like, hey, I'm already married for 10 years. 30 kids. I don't need another husband. One is enough. So that's why we stay away from prophesying husbands and babies, by the way. But you need to desire this. You need to practice this. You need to press in. And that's what we're going to do. We're going we're gonna to worship now and we're going to press in. If you don't know Jesus yet, just come forward, come and speak to me. We're going to lead you, Jesus. We're going to ask the Holy Spirit to fill you, and you're going to start moving in the gift straight away. You don't have to wait until you're 66 before you can move in the Holy Spirit, in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So are you eagerly desiring this? So not this Monday, next Monday we have a first love again, and on that Monday we're going to make room for people to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So We're going to lay hands on people just like Paul did in Acts 19. And we're going to trust that you start speaking in tongues, that you're prophesying, and that you start moving in the nine gifts of the Holy Spirit. Because you need them. It's the only way that you're going to be a witness of Jesus Christ to your sphere of influence. Okay, great.